1: Stephen Tubbs show 605 final hour. Last hour, I said halfway through the show. I forgot. We're not a four-hour show anymore in the afternoon. I think the morning show is still four hours, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I've done a lot of those. Uh, I used to fill in for Peter Boyles quite a bit and uh, plenty of times for Stephen. They're always four hours. So we have only got an hour to go. Some phone lines are open 303-696-1971, 303-696-1971. Richard was kind enough to text in and ask about the website I mentioned in the first hour for people who want to help with the Herschel Walker U.S. Senate race in Georgia. Their voting system is much cleaner now and uh, so it should be a very, very interesting runoff election. And Election Day, I believe, is December 6th and Tea Party Patriots has put together, gotten funding for and put together Um, A system so people can help not only from here from Colorado, but if you can get yourself out to Georgia or even if you can't afford to it, they will get you out to Georgia hotel, airfare, the whole nine yards to help starting this coming weekend uh, 11. Let's see if today's the 21st, 27th, starting Saturday through election day and the following day, December 7th. And if that's too much time away for you, Um, They're also looking for people who can come up, come out the final weekend of the election, December 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, and then the 7th is the final day. Don't know if they'll be keeping people that long. But in addition to um, ways to help, you know, making phone calls, doing things from home, sending out letters, um, text messages, which don't cost you a thing. There's all kinds of really cool systems available right here from Colorado And if you want to find out more about that, or especially they need manpower, the Democrats have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars, outspent Herschel by a ton, Uh, and they're doing it again, and they've got resources more than we do. RNC is there, other groups are there, Tea Party Patriots has come up with this ability for people like us to get out there, even if we can't afford it. And so the website is very easy. It's help at GAPolls dot com. G A for Georgia. Help at A T, not the at sign, but help at dot com. Help at Georgia. I'm sorry, confuse you now. Help at GAPolls dot com. And um, and that's pretty cool. I get a free trip to Georgia. Do something very, very important. Um, you know, even if the majority is gone for us as we had anticipated, as we had hoped. Joe Day was supposed to be a big winner, uh, a surprise winner here in Colorado. What was the final? Almost 14 points, I think, that uh, Michael Bennett took him out by. But keeping that 50-50 is crucial. It keeps Joe Manchin in play. It makes committee appointments uh, more balanced in the Senate, more Republicans there to slow down bad things from happening. And, of course, now with the Republican, and this was a big deal to win the House, a massive deal. Republicans now can stop all bad legislation and the investigations are coming. We're going to get back to uh, some of this audio on the Hunter Biden laptop in just a second. Uh, It's just so incredibly important. And one more thing to remember for everybody who's so disappointed that we didn't take the Senate this time around, this was a terrible year for Republicans uh, defending Senate seats. The Democrats only had to defend 13. Republicans had to defend 21. And in two years, that map completely flips. In two years, 2024, Republicans are only defending 10 Senate seats. Democrats have to defend 23. So actually, scratch that. I should have looked it up, but I'm pretty darn sure it's 24 because you always have a third of the Senate. And then one year you only have 33. You have 33 plus one twice and then you have 33 the third year. It's always a third, a third and a third. So um, think about that. Republicans defending 21 seats to the Democrats 13 this time. That's a bad map for Republicans. And in 2026, Republicans only defending 10 seats. Democrats defending 24. So just so and of course, you know, we've we've heard a lot about Dick Wadams and I played some Dick Wadams quotes um, says, you know, it's it's all Trump everywhere you look. It's all Trump Um, since Trump is in since Trump is not going anywhere since according to most polling, he still wins a Republican primary. Why don't we look at other things to talk about? Why don't we look at other things to complain about? Why don't we get people fired up for the midterm, the off year elections, um, just starting again next year, school boards and, um, you know, the, uh, mayor, we got a great mayor in centennial by the way, but city councils and school boards and, and just other very important local races, which are where the, the ground game begins for Republicans. That's the bench. That's where you develop candidates. That's where you learn locally how to really energize people and get them to vote so much to look forward to. And instead, we've got the same old people saying the same old things all around Colorado, just holding us down and looking backwards. And a part of it, you know, I I got sharp with Ben when he called in um, because, number one, he makes a point and then giggles about it, which is just silly. And but the other thing is the the second thing he did is he he misquoted me right out of the gate. And then you saw how it went. I w- we were having a debate and it, it elevated a little bit. We were going back and forth and he has to end it by saying I'm a dope instead of taking on, you know, any of the actual points uh, that I was making. And so this is just I, I don't know. He claims that he, you know, will vote for Republicans and who knows you never know who these serial callers are and what their real perspective is or if any of his anecdotal stories 20 people who would have voted for a Republican but for Trump yeah I don't necessarily believe it I have talked to so many people by the way isn't it the the Dick Wadhams and, and so many of the you know the old guard consultant and donor and Republican class who tell us once the primary is over you just vote for the Republican right Mike Rosen, it's party over person. And that's what I find most Republicans, where most Republicans are at. I spent weeks as Republican National Committee man at my Tea Party meetings, on the radio, telling Republicans who were disappointed in certain positions of certain candidates or Pam Anderson's connection to CTCL, the organization that funneled almost $300 million of Zuckerbucks into Biden-winning districts primarily, almost exclusively, um, and they weren't they didn't want to vote. And I said, no, it's we've got to vote for the Republican now. And I'm guessing that the 20 so-called Republicans that Ben is talking about probably feel the same way themselves, because that's just where most of us, most of us stand. When push comes to shove, you've got to defeat the Democrats. So I, I hope these folks come up with a new message. Ben said that, uh, you know, he, he listed off January 6th. The reason. Republicans are turning away from Trump is because they bought into the re- the insurrection bull crap of the J6 committee that Donald Trump incited the insurrection that he plotted with my good friend and constitutional internationally renowned constitutional scholar John Eastman to subvert the election illegally and, and it's just all nonsense but when the mainstream media and then certain purveyors of I guess conservative talk radio repeat those talking points. You know, people believe them. Got two years to fix that. And a Republican majority in the House of Representatives to fix that. And I'm going to fix some of it here before we finish the last hour of this show. But this, uh, this, not dichotomy really, just but this back and forth between Jim Jordan laying out the Hunter Biden laptop story As part of the investigation, the Republicans will be opening up in January when they take the majority in the House and then back to CBS News, which suppressed the story, denied the story, repeated a thousand times that uh, 50, you know, top military officials have said this is Russian. This has the look of Russian propaganda propaganda. Remember the collusion, collusion, collusion. You know, Biden came out and said 50 people. Well, anyway, you, you, you remember the history. It's just nonsensical. Well, now here is some more of the Jim Jordan portion of the Republican press conference that was covered by nobody except Fox News last Tuesday. So
2: I think that, that I think there are all kinds of questions that need to be answered. And we're, we're determined to get there. Here's some of them that I have. Did the FBI brief Twitter as well? We know they briefed Facebook. We know that had an impact on the election. There's been surveys done where where thousands and thousands of voters across this country said it might have impacted their decision in the election in 2020. Did the FBI brief any of the 51 former intelligence officials who signed that letter? Again, that letter that became the pretext for suppressing this story. Who did the briefings? Who briefed Facebook? Here's a name that I think is interesting. Timothy T. Bolt. So, Mr. Tebow, now, remember, we just did a report two weeks ago, Judiciary Committee, a report that uh, talked about the political influence and the political shenanigans going on in our Justice Department based on 14 FBI agents who've come talk to our office as, as whistleblowers. One of those agents said, and this is a term he used, he said, at the highest levels of the FBI, specifically the Washington field office, he said it's rotted to the core. Not talking about rank-and-file agents. They're doing good good work. Talking about the top people at the Washington field office. We had another whistleblower who brought up the name Mr. Tebowl and said Mr. Tebowl is pressuring agents to catalog and categorize cases in a specific way to satisfy this narrative about domestic violence extremism.
1: Yeah, we've got one more of those and two more of these. This is CBS News. Just yesterday, it could have even been this morning, I didn't see the retweet of this news report until, I guess, early this afternoon. So either yesterday or today, and if you didn't hear the first two parts of this, I'm sorry, but uh, you'll, you'll be able to pick it up right where we left off, I think.
3: Then in December 2019, the FBI subpoenaed the store's owner to turn over the computer and a portable drive of its data.
4: Whatever happened to
3: Hunter? During the 2020 election, <laughs> versions were widely shared by Republican operatives, including Rudy Giuliani.
4: We have the entire hard drive. But
3: questions were raised about whether additional files were added to those versions. Then candidate Biden labeled the laptop controversy disinformation.
0: What this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant.
1: A Russian plant or plan, it's always hard to kind of make out the words when Joe Biden is talking. That was uh, that was the debate. And he's you know, you'll you can remember some, I'm sure, some of the other um, interviews that he's given where he has said, you know, I my son is the smartest person I know. I never talked to him about business. Well. CBS had a little more to say about that.
3: CBS News approached the lawyer for the computer repair shop owner to cut through the noise. We've always had uh, one clean copy. And obtained a copy of what he says they provided the FBI under subpoena. Then we went to Minneapolis for an independent analysis. Were you paid by CBS or anyone else to analyze the data?
2: No. No. I wouldn't want anyone to think that someone bought our opinion around the corner it, it'll lead you to what we call our imaging room lanterman and his
3: son sean both digital forensic experts recovered images of credit cards a driver's license social security number
2: just the sheer volume mm-hmm. of what we're dealing with it would be difficult uh, if not impossible to fabricate and explained how
3: files built up over years
2: it accumulated over time which is consistent with normal everyday use of a computer
3: there's some reporting about folders being added
2: we have read these um articles we don't see that so i believe that that's because we have a more pristine
1: copy yeah unbelievable i guess i did have one more oh no i've got a couple more of these don't i okay well um Oh, what the heck? Why don't we just finish out this piece of the story? Because uh, um, I know people are in and out on the show, and I hate for him to just get little bits.
3: The laptop and its contents have fueled Republican interest in Hunter Biden's business
1: ventures. Hunter Biden was working with Chinese nationals. They
3: say this May 2017 email outlining a proposed business deal with a Chinese energy firm is one reason why they have questions about whether President Biden benefited.
4: we prepared to subpoena Hunter Biden. We would certainly hope that he would want to come before the committee and clear his name.
3: Two of Hunter Biden's former business partners, including Tony Bobolinsky, who received the email, told CBS News the 10 held by H for the big guy, is shorthand for 10% held by Hunter for his father. After the email became public in 2020, the author of the email told the Wall Street Journal Joe Biden was not involved. The author has not responded to CBS News' questions. Mr. Biden has consistently denied knowledge of his son's work or financially benefiting from it.
0: I've never spoken to my son about this.
1: Never, I've, did you hear that? I've never spoken to my son about this. That is provably false. Last month, Senator Chuck Grassley wrote
3: this letter alleging bank records and financial data showed that Hunter Biden and the president's brother profited from a five million dollar wire from a company connected to CEFC, the Chinese energy firm.
0: They're going to look at every part of the Joe Biden administration. Doug High is a Republican strategist. A lot of this is also going to be aggressive on. Hunter specifically, we're going to hear a lot about the laptop, who profited, was the law broken, was it not broken?
3: After two years of scrutiny, the laptop has not produced evidence President Biden directly benefited from his son's business deals.
0: If there's dirt there, that will dirty him up. If not, those attacks can backfire.
3: The White House declined to comment. Hunter's lawyer did not address our specific questions about the data or the CBS Forensic Review, but said there have been multiple attempts to hack, infect, distort, and peddle misinformation regarding Mr. Biden's devices and data. And at no time did any individual, including the IT repair shop owner, Mr. McIsaac, have Mr. Biden's consent to access his computer data or share it with others. The lawyer also referred us to Hunter Biden's memoir where the president's son slammed the despicable opposition that purported to have a laptop belonging to him.
1: Despicable opposition. Remember the soft peddled interviews? You remember when, and I know we're up against the break, so we'll get there in just one second. I'll save the final Jim Jordan closeout of his segment of that um, Republican House. Uh, Committee report on how on the investigate not report, but the press conference they held on the investigation. They're going to start into Hunter Biden and up to 10 felony charges against Joe Biden should be imagine if this was Trump or Ron DeSantis or any Republican president or candidate right now. It would bump the Colorado Springs shooting off or at least compete with that horrible, horrible event Um but that's not going to happen with Biden. But what an amazing thing that CBS is now covering it. Because remember, this is very short. Remember Donald Trump with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes some two years ago?
4: It's this, I think it's one of the biggest scandals I've ever seen. And you don't cover it. Biggest you want to talk about it. Well,
3: because it can't be verified. You want to talk I'm
4: about insignificant you. things.
3: I'm telling you. Of course but it can
4: be verified. Excuse we, me. We they found verify. a laptop. Leslie, Leslie. Can't be verified. What can not be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Because Even the family prepared. hasn't... The family on the laptop, he's gone into hiding. For five days, he's gone into hiding. He's preparing for your debate. Oh, well, it's taken him five days to prepare. I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay, all right, go ahead. All right, all right.
2: So let's get back to the name calling.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's get back to the name calling, Mr. President, because, you know, we've only got this... This criminal enterprise in the Biden family uh, and the laptop that is was so clearly and obviously, my God, this is where the diary of Hunter Biden's sister came from, where she talks about taking inappropriate showers with her father and just uh, Joe Biden and just all kinds of incredible information. It was verified then and CBS has verified it now. And so when we come back, we'll play the final clip that I have of Jim Jordan and then move on to uh, some other topics. One of the reasons that everything is going to start coming out now is because of Twitter. And we'll talk about that, including reminding people what really happened on January 6th and the nonsensical reasons that Twitter came up with to take Donald Trump off of that massive platform with his 90 million followers. 303-696-1971 303-696-1971 if you'd like to weigh in. I'm Randy Corcoran. It's the Stephen Tubbs Show here, 710-KNUS. Oh, yeah. 628 Stefan Tubbs Show. Randy Corcoran here. I hold down the Saturday evening slot at 5 p.m., and my good buddy Matt Dunn, Runs the historic Backbone Radio on Sundays from 4 to 7. Very, very cool. And uh, really gives you an opportunity to hear a little different perspective and focus on issues that, you know, really might make a difference um, as we move forward. Looking ahead, obviously, to the major presidential election in 2024, but also even our here local Colorado races that will be so very important for creating a Republican bench for getting, figuring out the mechanism a little bit better, starting maybe to work, figure out for Republicans how to better utilize the early voting and the, uh, the harvesting that the Democrats invented and perfected here in Colorado. And, um, so just so many reasons to be excited and optimistic. The, The 2022 elections weren't what I hoped. They certainly weren't what everybody said they were going to be. But in a very bad year, Senate-wise, for Republicans, as far as the map goes, I gave those numbers a minute ago, 13 seats defended by Democrats, 21 seats defended by Republicans. Remember, in 2024, that flips. Only 10 seats being defended by Republicans, but 24 seats being defended by Democrats. And a presidential year where turnout will be on top, where we continue to chip away. And listen, it is happening in legislatures and in courtrooms around the country to chip away at these ridiculous rules that were implemented as a result of COVID for the COVID elections, uh, the elections of 2020. I was just looking at some numbers, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about... um, just all of the lies that were told about January 6th and and remind you what really happened with Donald Trump and being taken down from Twitter. But I was looking at some numbers, and in 2014, Cory Gardner and nobody... I I know plenty of people, and listen, I had a Facebook page up for years, and it was, why won't U.S. Senator Cory Gardner go on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran? And, uh, and And it's because... Uh, the station I was at at that time and the sort of the tack we took, people were very, and I'm not an attack dog, really. I I just, I I don't like to attack people. I love to defend. I like to point out discrepancies. I have no problem attacking the left, but with people on the right, I like to just bring facts, you know, and, and here's what my concerns are. Uh, and Corey and I worked that out. And I, I learned as I got more sophisticated in politics, not just, uh, you know, tea party door knocker or whatever, and, and learn more about it. Some of the tremendous things that Corey did for Colorado and as a United States Senator, uh, he was so impactful on, on the international stage, uh, especially in Asia. And so it was, it was a big loss, but in 2014, Corey Gardner won by 1.9%. So it was a squeaker, a real squeaker. And listen, and credit to Laura Carno and Republicans and timing and God in his heaven and everything else. But Mark Udall was a disaster. Cory Gardner's opponent that year was a disaster. And he got categorized for his, what was it, Mark, Mark uterus, I think was the way he got tagged and and really uh, pushed back against those last few weeks leading up to that election. The next Senate race in Colorado was Darrell Glenn, uh, a really a base type of conservative, a grassroots base type of conservative who actually got himself on the ballot with a dramatic speech at the Assembly. And he was not supported by Mitch McConnell. He was not supported by the establishment. He was not the kind of U.S. senator that they wanted. They did not pump money in as they could have in the the manner and amount that they could have. And he lost to Michael Bennett at that point, who was the incumbent because he was appointed, remember, he was appointed to fill in, um, gosh, was it Ben Nighthorse Campbell or was that earlier? I don't remember all those details. But he was already the incumbent, and Darrell Glenn lost by 5.7%. Libertarian in that race did not take enough uh, to cause that loss, about 4% for the Libertarian. And listen, I know. Listen, libertarians, you don't need to call. I understand you have a different perspective on whether libertarians take votes away from both Republicans or Democrats. Seems to me that, you know, when the margin matters, it's always the Republican that loses when there's a libertarian in the race. But save that topic for another day. So we went from a Cory Gardner barely to not quite 2 percent victory over a horrible Democrat in 2014 to a 5.7 percent loss. To a to an incumbent, the luckiest senator in history in 2016, by Darrell Glenn. And then when Cory Gardner ran again in 2020, um, against John Hickenlooper, he lost by almost 10. Well, not quite, but nine and nine point three percent. So the incumbent Cory Gardner, with all the benefits of incumbency in Colorado. Um, did worse than the last base conservative, Daryl Glenn. And I get there are a thousand factors here. But we were told that Darryl Glenn couldn't win. We were told that Cory Gardner, if he ran that middle-of-the-road race appealing to the moderates and all of that, you know, that uh, he could bring it across. Not quite 9.5% loss. And then we get to... You know, the current race that we lost this year, Joe O'Day, again, with the establishment candidates, the the Rove, Bush, McConnell, Wadham's candidates across the board, really, some of them pretty darn good. And I don't have the number up in front of me, but I think Joe O'Day lost by almost 17%. So it's fine if they want to say it's us all the time. It's the left. It's the base. It's the crazies, as they like to call us. It's fine if they say that, but they need to be willing to assess other factors and look at other things. And when Ben called earlier, he talked about January 6th being the reason that so many breathless Republicans just can't consider voting for Donald Trump again, just can't consider it. He was taken down off of Twitter with 90 million followers, 90 million after January 6th. And so, just for the heck of it, it's not very long, two and a half minutes or so. Oh, and I haven't forgotten about that knockout ending to Jim Jordan audio as well. But I just want you to hear Donald Trump's treacherous, treasonous, insurrectionist final video that, by the way, was seen by almost 60 million people on Twitter alone Forget about, you know, people who watched it on YouTube, who watched it on uh, on cable, who watched it on mainstream media. This was Donald Trump's last video on Twitter prior to being taken down.
4: I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election and emotions are high, but now tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power, This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. 2020 has been a challenging time for our people. A menacing pandemic has upended the lives of our citizens, isolated millions in their homes, damaged our economy, and claimed countless lives. Defeating this pandemic and rebuilding the greatest economy on earth will require all of us working together. It will require a renewed emphasis on the civic values of patriotism, faith, charity, community, and family. We must revitalize the sacred bonds of love and loyalty that bind us together as one national family. To the citizens of our country, serving as your president has been the honor of my lifetime. And to all of my wonderful supporters, I know you are disappointed, but I also want you to know that our incredible journey is only just beginning. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.
1: What an insurrectionist. What an absolute treasonous SOB. That was Donald Trump's last video on Twitter, January 7th, announcing the smooth transition of power. Then he did two more tweets before they took him down. And here's one of them. The 75,000 great American patriots who voted for me, America first and make America great again, will have a giant voice long into the future. Got that right. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape or form. And then the very last tweet to all of those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. Now, Twitter took him down and here was the statement that they issued. And then we'll take our break. In fact, you know what? I think we'll get to our break and our final, uh, our next to the final. I think check of the news, with uh, man, the one and only top notch Laurie Kelman. But um, you've got to hear how Twitter justified taking him down after that video and those two tweets. You you got to hear it to believe it. And we'll dive into that here in just a minute. But right now, let's check in with Lori in the 710 Newsroom at 640. I'm Randy Corporan, Stephen Tubbs Show, and we'll be right back. Ah, uh, Winding it down. You guys are good at this. I trained you well. <laughs> Mm-mm. All right. Well, we're going to run out of time. I guess I don't feel as pressured now to try and get it all in because I am going to come back tomorrow. Uh, give Stefan brother Stefan a little more time to get well. And, um, uh, so look forward to being here with you tomorrow. I'm Randy Corcoran from Saturday evenings at 5 PM. I do the Saturday nights. Matt Dunn from backbone radio does the Sunday nights four to seven. And, um, and we push back on the regular day-to-day mainstream media narrative, and it's kind of nice to have a little time to join you here on Afternoon Drive. But um, I did promise a couple of things. I promise we'll be sure and get those done. The final clip from Jim Jordan, and by the way, for people who weren't here early in the show, don't remember, don't don't remember not to forget this classic.
4: I didn't shut down anything. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. Gosh,
1: same guy, different day. How much of that did we hear? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the FDA in a lawsuit now claiming that they were not telling people not to take ivermectin, uh, something I took when I had COVID, something that I continue to take to prevent a relapse of COVID. Haven't had it again. How many people do you know who are vaxxed, boosted, Wore masks, and have had COVID over and over and over. Forget about the uh, uh, the director of the CDC. What is she a five timer now? Joe Biden a couple of times. Fauci three times at least that we know about. Fully boosted, fully back, vaxed. FDA in court said our our position that people should not take ivermectin. In fact, some people said it was dangerous called it horse tranquilizer, just a complete lie, another complete mainstream misrepresentation that you heard even in places, radio shows, podcasts, videos that should have known better, should have done a little bit of work. The FDA claiming, oh, that was just merely advisory. That was just merely advisory. No, it wasn't. They're caught, and they know it. We may dig in. I mean, the numbers now of vax-injured people, of children injured, dead, extraordinary. Might. I I had a busy day tomorrow. We'll see what uh, the hot news stories are. But, um, yeah, that that might be something that would get my ire going. And you should know about it as we head into flu season, as we head into cold season, as we understand that uh, people are probably going to get COVID. It's here to stay, I think. And the vaccines don't stop it. Man, the it was so interesting traveling around the country last week. Charlotte, Palm Beach, Austin, Texas, Denver, just comparing the differences and how people would mask, how people would act, the signage, the bossiness versus the freedom in Florida. Just really, really incredible. But I want to wrap up the, uh, or just explain to you, I went through... The last I played for you the last video of Donald Trump on Twitter where he talked about the peaceful transition of power, utilized every legal means to, uh, and, and that included, by the way, the challenging of the electoral count votes, legal, not an insurrection. Hakeem Jeffries, you 2016 multiple-time election denier, we were doing it the legal way successfully. Until idiots and maybe plants turned January 6th into a riot. Some of that story's coming out, I promise you, with Republican investigations and a release of the video. Just wait and see. But here were the last two tweets of Donald Trump that led to his suspension. That video I played in full saw by almost 60 million, almost 59 million people, 58.9, just on Twitter. And then these two tweets, January 8th, the 75,000, oh, I read this one already, 75,000 great American patriots will not be disrespected or treated unfairly. Then the very last one, to all of those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th, and Twitter deplatformed him over that. And here is the statement that they released. President Trump's statement that he will not be attending the inauguration Is being received by a number of his supporters as further confirmation that the election was not legitimate and is seen as him disavowing his previous claim made via two tweets by his deputy chief of staff, Dan Scavino, that there would be an orderly transition on January 20th. Now, you heard that video, that audio from the video I played. He talks specifically about his focus being an orderly transition. The election has been certified. We'd used legal means to challenge what we believe was an improper election. So, Twitter lie. The second tweet may also serve as encouragement to those potentially considering violent acts that the inauguration would be a safe target as he will not be attending. What nonsense. Joe Biden, they made an armed installation out of our beautiful capital, out of Washington, D.C. They kept it up for days and days. Had National Guardsmen sleeping on garage floors rather than putting them up in hotels. Absolutely disgusting. Twitter said the use of the words, quote, American patriots to describe some of his supporters is also being interpreted as support for those committing violent acts. At the U.S. Capitol. You heard Donald Trump in that speech condemning violence at the Capitol as I have, as everyone uh, that I've heard from my side of the political right talking about January 6 did. We condemned the violence. Who's Ray Epps? Why was he inciting that violence? Can't wait to get to the bottom of those stories. Twitter went on. The mention of his supporters having a, quote, and in capital giant voice long into the future and that, quote, they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape or form is being interpreted as further indication that President Trump does not plan to facilitate an orderly transition and instead that he plans to continue to support, empower and shield those who believe he won the election. And the final reason, you heard the video, I read you the two final tweets. The final reason from Twitter on why he was permanently, until Elon Musk came along, permanently deplatformed, plans for future armed protests have already begun proliferating on and off Twitter, including including a proposed secondary attack on the U.S. Capitol and state Capitol buildings on January seventeenth, 2021. I don't believe it. If they saw it, we know the in, the FBI was infiltrating the Proud Boys, was infiltrating the J6 people, infiltrating all kinds of places. Another story we could spend 20 minutes talking about. So they had their eyes on things, and they had turned it into an armed encampment, fully defended. Trump didn't say any of that. Some are interpreting it this way. A number of his supporters may believe Just entire, utter, disgusting nonsense. And that's what they use to deplatform Donald Trump. Well, Saturday during my show, the poll ended. Donald Trump was reinstated, had about 80,000 followers the first time I checked. That was two days ago. He's up to 87.5 million followers already on his Twitter feed, and he hasn't even posted yet. And one thing one great thing Elon Musk is doing is getting rid of these bots, these phony posters. So it looks like a lot of these Democrat numbers are going down. Meanwhile, a lot of these Republican and all these new additions, Juanita Broderick, Project Ver- Veritas, uh, just the list goes on and on and on. Those numbers are going up at an incredibly Fast rate. Elon Musk is having fun with Twitter. In fact, he tweeted this morning: "Twitter is fun." Half a million people almost liked that tweet. But he put—he's put up some pretty provocative stuff. CBS News announced they were going to leave Twitter, and then I, within hours they came back and said, "Well, we've assessed the situation, and we're going to closely monitor it, um, but we're going to stick around for a while." That's because they know their bottom line would have been significantly impacted by leaving the most dominant social media platform in the world. And it's just getting started. So Elon Musk put together a picture. It's from Brokeback Mountain. That's the story of the two gay cowboys who fall in love. A Wonderful, wonderful movie. But it's uh, Elon Musk's wearing a cowboy hat with the Twitter emblem is one of the guys. The other guy's got his arm around him leaning in to give him a kiss. He's wearing the cowboy hat that says CBS news. And the comment is, why can't I quit you? That's what Elon Musk is doing with this thing. He, uh, he's got another picture that he put together of a scantily clad woman in a provocative position with a Twitter emblem covering her lower parts and Donald Trump praying a picture of someone in a robe. I don't think it's supposed to be Jesus. I I pray it's not, but, uh, And he's got the name of Donald Trump trying to resist the temptation to come back to Twitter. That's fun. And the left can't stand it. Man, oh, man. All right. Well, so glad I'll get to be with you tomorrow. Keep uh, helping our brother, Stephen Tubbs, get well. Send some prayers for his recovery tonight. Hope you're having a great weekend with your uh, Thanksgiving preparations. I'm Randy Corbin. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay with us. Mark Levin next on 710. It's K U S. Good night, everybody.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.